Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to two spots. Open up to Acts chapter 1 and put a marker in 1 Corinthians 14. Acts 1, 1 Corinthians 14. We'll start in Acts 1 we'll finish in 1 Corinthians 14. We are wrapping up our series entitled Unbeatable Hope. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a multi-part sermon entitled How Hope Grows. Now remember, week one, we talked about the fact that your hope will grow when you understand what God is like. And God is Father. First and foremost, He's Father. Then in in week two of this kind of multi-part sermon, we talked about the fact that your hope will grow when you understand what Jesus did for you. Then last week, we started what turned out to be 3A and now 3B. Uh, it's, isn't this getting so complicated? You know, like who, who would have, I, I, didn't, I didn't write it. I, I, just, I just do whatever he says. That's my job. Uh, last week, we started talking about understanding what the Holy Spirit does. All right. We went through the first four things. Obviously not a comprehensive list. But we're picking up with point number five and answering this question. What is it that the Holy Spirit helps us to do? All right? Now, I just want to give you a disclaimer. All right? Uh, Because I I had a bunch of people ask me last week. And several people say, oh, I'm coming back next week. Like, I'm going to see if you cover it next week. I'm like, hey, thank you for the drama. Uh, I know what it you're referring to, and yes, I'm going to talk about praying in the spirit today, all right? And so if if your heart is racing a little bit, just because I said that, maybe this is your first time, and you're thinking, oh my word, this is one of those churches. If by one of those churches you mean a church that believes the entirety of scripture, yes, we are such, okay? But I want you to understand, don't just assume you know what I'm going to teach, all right? Now, some of you have been coming to church here for a while, and you come from a different denomination, a different background, and maybe you grew up in a cessationist environment where it was believed and taught that the gifts have ceased, that praying the Spirit has ceased, and let me just help you. That's not where we're at. I have friends who are in that camp. I don't judge them. They're not less than. I love them, but it's not where I am. It's not where we are, okay? And and here's the reason uh, if, if you were kind of wondering, is he going to talk about, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, is he going to talk about praying in the Spirit? Well, if I were talking about the Chicago Bulls, would I not talk about Michael Jordan? I mean, we have to talk about this, right? And you're going to see why we need to talk about this. But I just want you to relax if you're from a different theological persuasion and you've been coming here for a while and you think, I love this church. Now, it's a little different than what I grew up with, but I love this church. And then if I, when I stood up just a few minutes ago, said I'm going to be talking about praying in the Spirit, you thought, I don't love this church anymore. Okay, here's what you need to understand. Nothing has changed. I didn't wake up on Friday morning and think, oh, I believe in this now. Since I was a child, okay, this church wouldn't be where it is and where it's going. We won't get there without the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so Acts chapter one, let's continue with this message. We're gonna start in verse three so that we're all on the same page theologically. Acts chapter one, verse three. 
During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let me just point out, theologically, okay, Uh, the disciples had already been saved. So I know there are some of us, I'm going to talk about this at the very end of the message, some of us believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same thing as the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. They are not the same baptism, and I'm going to show it to you scripturally at the end. Okay? So Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift that has been promised. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that brings us to point number five. Okay? What is it the Holy Spirit helps us do? The Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. The Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. Now, before I continue in Acts chapter 1, here's what you need to know. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 serves as the last recorded words of Jesus on the earth. Now, how many of us understand that the last words that somebody says are typically very, very important. They boil everything in life down to those last words. And these are the last recorded words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's keep going in verse 6. So when the apostles were, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they're not for you to know. Stop being so nosy, boys. That's what Jesus is saying to him. Now listen to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen closely. The last recorded words of Jesus on the earth are these. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have to understand the point of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's this, the good news is to go so far and be so strong that you can't pull it off without his power. Now, In the first century, when there was a new king, uh, it was very common what would be done. The new king would enlist the help of a few heralds and would send the heralds to the furthermost region, regions of the new territory that this new king was occupying. He would send these heralds to the edges of this kingdom with one message, we have a king. And it was always good news because if they didn't present it as good news, it it oftentimes would create chaos or even anarchy. Okay? So they would always deliver it as good news with a sweet tone. We have a king. Here's what Jesus is saying. I am the king and I'm sending out my heralds, my disciples to the ends of the earth to declare not just the future coming of a king, but that there is a king right here, right now. He is seated on the throne. That's where Jesus went to. 
This is what he's saying as his last recorded words on the earth. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the number one reason why is so that you can be my witnesses and take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Point number five, the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. Point number six, he produces the best fruit in us. I love that sound of turning pages. He produces the best fruit in us. Now, before I read to you Galatians chapter 5, which covers the spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand God's heart for your fruit. God wants to be able to say the following words while speaking to your friends and your family members. He wants to be able to point at you and say these words, taste and see that the Lord is good. Every follower of Jesus Christ is meant to be one of the best advertisements for the abundant life Jesus died to give us. Now, here's the problem. As it relates to the fruit of the Spirit, too many believers in Jesus have, have believed this lie that here's how you measure spiritual maturity. Whoever has the most fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so look at somebody, oh man, they have a lot of, of patience. They have a lot of peace. They're really mature. Okay, this is, this is an error right here, all right? And, and here's why. You really need to understand spiritual fruit is meant to be eaten, not to be admired. Okay, so don't ever get too impressed with the amount of fruit that's being produced because you're going to see in just a minute when I read you Galatians 5, you're not producing the fruit the Holy Spirit is. Okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Okay, hit the pause button. Everybody, look at me in Tempe. Look at the screen, okay? As I read the fruits of the Holy Spirit, if you need a little bit more of this particular fruit, when I read it out, I just want you to put your hand up, okay? We're going to have a little fun, all right? So let's read it together. Galatians 5. 22, I'll read it again, but the Holy Spirit, not you, not me, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. I need me some love. Look around how many people need love. Well, man, we're, we're, a, we're a latchy group. We need some love. Joy. How many of us need joy? Man, I live in a fallen world. I need me some joy up in here. Peace. Anybody need some peace? Yeah. I'm going to run out of limbs here in a minute. Patience. And all the stay-at-home parents said. <laughs> Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. If you're married, you better put your hand up. Gentleness. and self-control. I need like six doses of self-control. Okay, question. The Bible is really clear that my flesh only produces trash. My flesh, your flesh, is literally unable to produce these good things. Okay, so here's the question. Why would anyone shut 
off the only one who can produce those things in their life. Why? Why would anybody shut off the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is the only one that can produce these things? And yet so many of us are content to make Jesus Lord but not let the Holy Spirit be our guide and a fruit producer. Now, here's one of the beautiful things though. Because when we understand that my flesh, I mean, Paul said it best, I, I do what I don't want to do, and I, I don't do what I want to do. It's just a bunch of doo-doo, he, he's saying. I, I, I don't do what I want to do, and I do do what I don't want to do. My flesh is jacked, Paul says. Okay, when you understand, your flesh can't produce anything good. Here's one of the beautiful things about new life in Christ. The miracle of new birth in Christ is fleshly persons become spirit persons. That is really good news. Now, quickly, I need you to understand the difference between the work of the flesh, which is the antithesis of the fruit of the spirit, okay? I can't go too far in this, I don't have enough time, but here's what I want you to, to remember in regards to the work of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. The main byproduct of a fruit of the spirit is God gets glory. The main byproduct of a work of my flesh is I get praise. It is entirely possible for you to manipulate in the flesh in such a way that you get praise, but you cannot manipulate and God get glory. You can't. The main byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life is God gets glory. Now, there is a really beautiful and sweet thing about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a fruit producer rather than merely being a work obsessor. The Holy Spirit does not obsess over works. Yes, we're gonna be held into account for that which we do. But remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't produce work in your life or works. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. You know why that's a good thing? For those of us who beat ourselves up for taking too long, and, and we, we, we don't have enough patience. And we beat ourselves up. What's wrong with me? How come I'm not more patient? And some of us even think that's the way the Holy Spirit talks to us. Let's just think about this for a minute. Does it even make sense that the Holy Spirit would, would talk like this to you? Why don't you have more joy in your life? What's wrong with you? Does that even sound possible? No. Okay. Yet some of us beat ourselves up. And we beat ourselves up because it's, we're taking too long. Here's what's beautiful about the Holy Spirit being a fruit producer. There's a difference between work and fruit, and this is it. Work is measured in real time. But fruit is measured over time. The Holy Spirit is more patient with you than you can wrap your mind around. And when you say, man, I, I should be more patient, the Holy Spirit's going, hey, we just planted that seed two weeks ago. There is no farmer on all the earth who is frustrated with a seed that isn't producing that was just planted two weeks ago. Here's how the Holy Spirit talks. Relax. Fruit takes time. And I'm not in a hurry because we're going to do this together. It is the Holy Spirit that produces the best fruit in us. Now, we're going to skip point number seven. And we're actually going to go to point number eight. 
all right? So if you have your notes, skip down to point number eight, and I'm actually going to finish with point number seven, okay? So flip over to 1 Corinthians 14, and that's actually going to be in point number seven, but two chapters ahead, 1 Corinthians 12, I I want you to read this verse with me. Here's point number eight. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts through us. Now, the grammarians are going, that is stupid, Preston. That is the wrong way to articulate this. Okay, I understand it may not be the best grammar, but it is the best way to communicate this. Here's why. Because too many people look at my direction and go, the Holy Spirit gives him gifts to give to me. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts for and through us. Okay, big difference. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give me gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts through us. It's one of the best parts about the family of God, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, this word ignorant means uninformed. Paul is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when we talk about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be out of the know. I want you to understand these things. Now, he goes even further in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. He says, pursue love, and some translations say, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Okay? Now, the the Greek word for gift is charisma. Charisma. What does that sound like? Well, it kind of sounds like charismatic, right? This is where we get charismatic from, all right? The gifts, charismata, is just the plural form of gift, gifts in the Greek, okay? Now, I want you to think about this. If, quote, unquote, charismatics, which I've grown up in a charismatic church my whole life, uh, how did the person who is supposed to be known for bringing the sweetest gift to the party become one of the most disliked people at the party in the family of God. Have you ever thought about this? I've watched this for at least the last 25 plus years. Why is the person who's supposed to be known for bringing the sweetest gift to the party why are they kind of known as the most disliked person in the family? Well, I don't have time to go through it all, but I think there are a couple of reasons. And one of the reasons I think charismatics can get a bad rap is from time to time, someone who is charismatic shows up to the party, the house of the Lord, and walks in like this. I have a gift. I have a gift. Okay, imagine you just had a Super Bowl party Now, if someone brought a gift to your Super Bowl party, typically you'd be excited, right? Because people usually bring snacks, drinks, or, you know, an entree, correct? But what if somebody brought you a sweet gift? That'd be awesome, right? Gifts are, are are gifts bad? Like when someone gives you a gift, do you ever go, you're an idiot? (laughs) Gifts are good, right? Okay. Unless the person comes into your house, draws all the attention to themselves and to their gift, I have a gift. Is everyone watching? I have a gift. Um, Probably not the best way to lead off 
when you're about to give a gift the Holy Spirit has given you, right? And when I think about me, and I'm not better or worse than anybody, but the last time that I operated with one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where I announced I was about to use it before I used it, I was probably a teenager. If you ever meet with me, it just happened a couple weeks ago. I, it, it was a weekend and I was at the door where I usually am and I was greeting everybody on their way out. And a woman comes up to me and she says, um, she starts telling a little bit of her story and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're to meet with her. This is an appointment. I don't know if you know this, there's a difference between a meeting and an appointment. A meeting, man sets. An appointment, God ordains. I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're going to meet with her. And if I'm being truthful, completely transparent, what I felt like he said was, I'm about to mess her up in the best way. So we set up a meeting a couple, couple weeks later. She comes in. She had a notebook. She had things she wanted to talk about. Awesome stuff. Great. Within three minutes, it was obvious the Holy Spirit wanted to talk about other things. And so in that moment, I literally felt like the Holy Spirit dropped the gift of faith in my lap for her. Not for me, for her. I did not say, now I'm about to operate in the gift of faith. You're about to start a new business. The Holy Spirit's going to jack you up, but it is my gift of faith. I didn't do that. I just let it fly. All right? Then operated for a few moments in the prophetic. I did not say, I'm about to give you a word. Thus saith the Lord. I didn't do it. I just said what I felt the Holy Spirit say. She loses it. I lose it. She's trying to write everything down because it was apparent. The God of the universe sat down at that table and was ringing her bell in the sweetest way I have seen in 12 months. Okay, listen. You need to understand if you've ever used these words, I have the gift of, you don't understand. You don't have the gift, the Holy Spirit does. Let me show it to you. First Corinthians 12, verse four. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. You don't have the gift the Holy Spirit does. And what's the why for every gift the Holy Spirit has and gives? 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 tells us a spiritual gift is given to you. Why? To each of us so we can help each other. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift to give to somebody else. Okay, why? Think about it. The Holy Spirit gives it to me and I give it to somebody else. I don't really have it for that long, do I? So why would I walk around going, I have the gift? No, 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 I have it for like moments and I pass it on because it's for somebody else. Now, from time to time, I get asked this question and usually it's a little more on the antagonistic side and here's the question. Why don't we see more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit at this church. Okay, that's usually the tone. I would like to point back to one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Okay? So every once in a while when I get that strong, why don't we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit every minute of every service at this church? It's kind of that vibe. Okay? 
And here's what I lovingly try and help them understand. What would it be like if every day I went home to my wife and I walked into our home and the first words out of my mouth every day were these? Where's the gift? What are you bringing me today? I I was working hard today. I'm trying to take care of y'all. I I need y'all to be, I need my three kids to be like the three wise men. I need you to come bearing gifts every day. Where are the gifts? The next day, hey, where's the gift? Not good to see you, not a kiss on the lips. Where's the gift? Okay, how would that work, guys? It wouldn't. And listen to me, that's not how love talks. Here's my concern, that those who obsess over the gifts don't fully understand they are complete in Christ Jesus. That's Colossians 2. And because they don't understand their identity in Christ, they fixate on the gifts because they think the gifts make them more special. The gifts aren't for us. They're to be given through us. And listen to me closely. You may have some people around you who are uber excited about about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I am too. I'm excited about certain things in my marriage, but when you come in to meet with me, do I spend the whole time talking about those private things I'm so excited about? No. Okay, listen, I love the gifts of the Spirit, but just because someone is the most excited about the gifts does not automatically qualify them as the most well-informed in how to use those gifts. Gifts are special, but can I just tell you, if the Holy Spirit never gives me another gift to give somebody, it's okay with me. And here's why, as long as you're with me, it's okay. Well, Preston, it sounds like you're suppressing the gifts. Over my dead body, I'm suppressing the gifts. Here's what I've learned. The more all about him I am, the more of the gifts I get to enjoy and give away. But I don't ever make a gift or the gifts more important than the giver of all gifts. Now we get to point number seven, which is technically point number eight. But go back to point number seven in your notes. The Holy Spirit helps us pray on his level. The Holy Spirit helps us pray on his level. We're gonna talk about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. What I'd ask you to do if you didn't grow up with healthy teaching on this, and maybe you've grown up around some really unhealthy stuff that's been done in the name of the Holy Spirit, here's what I'd ask you to do. Please don't judge all marriages just because you've seen one bad marriage. How foolish would it be to say, I am never getting married because I saw one guy abuse his wife in the same way. It's just as foolish to say, I want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit because I saw a couple of people who were out of control. Remember, one of the gifts, fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit because I've seen a few people get out of control. Okay, it's not wisdom, all right? So I'm gonna ask you just to open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. 
Don't just listen to what I'm saying. Tune in to the Holy Spirit. Because I promise you, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, especially if you've gotten comfortable with a cut-off or shut-off relationship with him. Now, let's kind of establish a theological framework here so that we can all be on the same page or the closest thing to it. One of the reasons, I think, that there is such angst about praying in the Spirit is too many charismatics have made the most important question in the faith the following question. Do you speak in tongues? Listen to me closely. Theologically speaking, you will never be able to prove that is the most important question in the faith. Here is the most important question in the faith. Here is what has always been the most important question in the faith. And here is what will always be the most important question in the faith. Is Jesus Lord of your life? That is the most important question. Having said that, if you don't pray in the spirit, there is an important question that I'd like to ask you. Why not? Why not? And if you say, because it's weird, okay, I kind of know what you mean, it's different. But is it really that different? And if the number one reason you don't pray in the spirit is because it seems weird to you, can I ask you a straightforward question? Is it possible that you might have a touch of spiritual prejudice in your heart. Because think about it. When was the last time you ate at a Mexican restaurant and the server came to the table and spoke a little Spanish and you said, "Ah, what is wrong with you? You are a weirdo. You just spoke Spanish. When was the last time you were in France and heard someone speak French? And you said, get thee behind me, Satan. We laugh, but some of us have that bubble up in our hearts when we hear someone pray in the spirit next to us in church. I get that it might be different for you, but different isn't bad, especially when you have a daddy, a heavenly father, who is unlimited. When you have an intimate fellowship with an unlimited daddy, different is supposed to be your normal. But let's ask a couple of questions, and this is really for those who are, your heart is racing right now, part of you wants to get up and leave because we're talking about this, you really loved me until today, and now you're not sure about me. And let me just remind you, Nothing has changed about me. Nothing. And I'd also like to say, if you were ever to leave a church because they teach something in Scripture that you don't like, I don't know that that's good. I'd rather you stick around and wrestle through it and even ask all the questions you want, but don't run. Don't run. Let's ask and answer a few questions before we really get into the meat of this. Question number one, can someone be saved and not pray in tongues? 
absolutely. It's not just yes, absolutely they can. This has been part of my problem with the charismatic side of the church. It's almost like we act like, well, if you don't, you're not saved. I even grew up in a denomination that got really close to kind of communicating that. Can someone be saved and not pray in tongues? Absolutely. Question number two, is a believer who does, who does not pray in tongues bad or less than those who do? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Question number three, is a believer who does not pray in tongues experiencing the fullness of everything available to them as a child of God? Here's the honest answer. Unfortunately, not. Remember, it doesn't make them bad. It doesn't mean they're not saved. But we have to be honest and shoot straight. Is a believer who isn't praying in the spirit experiencing everything available to them as a child of God? Unfortunately, not. Here's the way I would describe it. If salvation is like the river of living water, there are two ways to navigate this river. One is to walk through it, okay? Not bad. You're saved. You are in the water, the river of living water, okay? You can walk through it. But there is a faster way to navigate the river of living water, to float through it. And the only way to float is to be completely yielded to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Okay, now, remember a couple weeks ago I asked, uh, when I was preaching on what Jesus did for us, I asked the question, how many of us, based on what we know, what we've read, would say Jesus lived a legendary life? Remember that question? Okay, I want to ask a similar question. When, when you think about human theologians not named Jesus, how many of us would say that the Apostle Paul is the most important human theologian to have ever walked the face of the earth not named Jesus. How many of us would say that? Okay, put your hand up. You can put it up high. Okay, M many of us would say the Apostle Paul is the most important human theologian not named Jesus to walk the face of the earth. I want you to remember that as I read you from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay, if you, you have your Bible, read it with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Interesting. Someone who prays in the spirit is not speaking to themselves or to man, but to God. Question, is speaking to God a bad thing? Okay, just making sure. Sometimes it kind of feels like it. For no one understands him, the person speaking in a tongue. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Okay, here's what you need to understand. Especially those of you who have loved this church and you thought, you know, we were semi-Baptist, you know, Baptist plus, okay, or even Baptocostal, but you focus on the Bapta, okay? I want you to write this down in your notes. If you love this church, whether you realize it or not, you already love praying in the spirit. And here's how you know. Because if I wouldn't have been able to pray in the Spirit for the last seven and a half years, we'd have shut this place down in less than two years. 
And it's very simple as, as to why. I was 33, 34 when I moved out here. I had never been a senior pastor before in my life. I don't know what senior pastors pray. I have no idea. Question, what do you do when you don't know what to pray? And if you tell me you always know what to pray, no, you don't. You're not God. There are things happening all around you you have no idea about. I just read you last week, Isaiah 55. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What does someone with limited thinking and limited ways do when they don't know what to do? How do you pray when you don't know what to pray? God has already answered that question. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit pray through you. Listen to me. I don't know how many countless hours I have logged when I hit a wall in prayer and don't know what to pray for one of my children don't know what to pray for someone in our church family who's going through a horrific time and I can't find the words in my native tongue. I can't tell you how many times I've just stopped praying with what scripture says is with my understanding and I yield to the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit. If you love this church, whether you realize it or not, you already love praying in the Spirit. Let's keep going. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 14. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Okay, question. Why has praying in the Spirit gotten such a bad rap if Scripture says it builds you up? Jude verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How do you do it? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, is it possible that you aren't fully built up for the battles that God is asking you to fight in your life spiritually simply because you're missing a, a, this component of praying in the spirit. Here's another way to see it. Let's say you're a warrior and your only responsibility in this life was to fight the battles God called you into. And my responsibility was a chef, okay? And as a chef, my responsibility is to make sure I fed you with all the food you needed to have all the strength and energy you needed to get back out on the front line and fight the good fight of faith, okay? What would happen if I set out for you every meal, a 10-course meal, and you would come in from battle, and instead of sitting down for the full meal, you just reached into the bread basket, grabbed one loaf, took a few bites, and went back out to fight? How long would it take you to lose in battle simply because you were depleted of power? The unfortunate answer is it wouldn't take very long. And yet we have so many believers who think all I'm supposed to live on is the fresh bread. Jesus took the bread that night and he said, I am the bread. This bread is my body. Okay. The bread served in the house of the Lord is the best bread in all of human history. But Jesus said, man wasn't made to live by bread alone. There is more to this meal that we need spiritually. And Jude verse 20 says it clearly. Building ourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 5 goes even further. Paul, remember... Many of us said, the most important human theologian to grace the face of the earth, not named Jesus. 
Listen to what he says next in 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Okay, question, are you an all? Isn't it funny how scripturally selective some of us get? We read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We, we quote it to the people who love us, trying to help them understand, I was made for love like this. You want to love me? I need to be loved like this. Then we get to 1 Corinthians 14, and it's like, he ain't talking to me. Well, then who's he talking to? The charismatics. Um, no, he's not. I wish you all spoke with tongues. So let me agree with the apostle Paul, Paul who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write 1 Corinthians 14.5. Let me go on record in total agreement of what he said. I want every person at Gateway Church to pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6 verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I don't understand what I'm saying. So some of us would, would be content just to stop because we don't understand what we're praying. Paul addresses this. He says, what is the conclusion then? Oh, I will pray in the spirit, Paul says. Just because I don't understand doesn't mean I'm going to stop praying in the spirit. He says, I will pray in the spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. Now, I want to cover a couple of myths my mentor taught me years ago about praying in the Spirit. Okay? We're going to just quickly run through them, but we're going to cover three of the biggest myths that really serve as the three big reasons why I think so many followers of Jesus Christ don't pray in the Spirit. Here's myth number one. I have to be fluent in it on day one. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to pray in the Spirit because I'm not going to be very good at it. I think I have to be awesome at it on day one. Okay, let's just think about this. When you learned your native language, were you awesome at it on day one? Oh, think about this. Think about the first word a baby usually says. One of the first words is either mama or dada. And sometimes the baby trying to say daddy says doo-doo. And what do the parents do? Oh, my goodness. She, she said it. She said it. I'm going to change my name from daddy to doo-doo. That's so sweet. Okay. That's what we do, right? Well, I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. When we simply step out in faith and yield our minds, our wills, our tongue to the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit. The first time I ever prayed in the Spirit, it was actually Pentecost Sunday, which that particular year was my birthday, June the 7th. And my dad had me in, in the back. He, he was the worship pastor at the church we were at, and, and we were in the choir room. And my dad was praying with me uh, to be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. And he, he had this moment where he just said, now I just want you just... Don't overthink it. I just want you to, to just be led by the Holy Spirit and you just pray out 
whatever you're hearing. Well, I, I didn't know any words. I didn't know I was a young kid and here's, here's the only word I knew that didn't sound like English. My eyes are closed. My dad's eyes, I think, were closed. And this is what I said. Kumbaya. <laughs> and I actually kind of beat myself up a little bit. I was like, come on, it's your first chance and that's what you say? That's not even real. And I kind of, just even as a kid, I felt kind of embarrassed for a while about it. But now, as an older man in Christ, here's what I actually think the Holy Spirit was doing in that moment. Oh my goodness. You did it. We're communicating in a way we never have. That was so sweet, child. I was kind of beating myself up, thinking I had to be fluent in it. And now I realize the Holy Spirit was sweetly encouraging me. You don't have to be fluent in it to start praying in the Spirit. Here's the second myth. I won't be able to control it. This is a biggie. I think this is the number one reason why many followers of Jesus Christ don't pray in the Spirit because they're afraid that they're going to be at Safeway one day in aisle four, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them, and they're not going to be able to control it. Never mind, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And not only is the Holy Spirit going to come upon me and make me start speaking in tongues, but the Holy Spirit's going to make me go up to the microphone and do it in front of all of Safeway. Come on. If you've ever seen someone who can't control themselves, that's not the Holy Spirit's fault. That's theirs. Okay? Don't be afraid. Can you control the gift of faith when the Holy Spirit gives it to you? Of course you can. <laughs> Don't be afraid of being out of control. It's a sweet gift, not an abusive gift. And here's the third myth. It will just happen. No, it won't. Well, I pray for my prayer language, and it just hasn't happened. And, and so I guess, you know, the Holy Spirit's not just, just not going to give me that grace gift. And so, you know, I, I tried, but it's just not going to work. Okay, it's not just going to happen. How do we receive everything in the faith? By faith. And how do we do that? We walk by faith, not by sight. We step out in it. Just privately in your time with the Lord. You just calm yourself. You push aside every distraction. You yield yourself and your tongue. And you simply say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to pray right now. And I'd like for you to pray through me. It doesn't just happen. Like every good thing in life, you have to be intentional about it. Now, I want to end up this two-part little mini-message on the Holy Spirit with a touch of theology. There's been a lot throughout 
But this is how I want to end. Because many people have grown up believing there are two baptisms in the faith. There are actually three. Okay? The first baptism, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. We are all baptized by one spirit into one body. So this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit at salvation baptizes us into Jesus. The second baptism is water baptism. It's Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in water. The second Baptism is when a disciple baptizes us in water. But here's the third baptism. It's when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Remember what John says in Matthew 3? I think it's verse 11. He says, hey, there is one coming who is so much better than me, I'm not even worthy of tying his flip-flops. And he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Baptism number three, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Think about it. When Jesus, we read it in Acts chapter one, when he said, now don't you leave Jerusalem until you get the, the gift God promised, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. They were already saved. But Jesus was saying, hey, in order to pull this off, don't you dare leave until you experience that third baptism. So here's my question for every person at both campuses and watching online. Do you need another baptism? But more importantly, if you've only experienced two of the three, after hearing all of the amazing things the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, the bigger question is, do you want another baptism? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not gonna have the altar ministry team come up until the very end at both campuses. But if you're here today, You may be a little bit nervous right now because you know what's coming. Here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit is not about to embarrass you in any way. If you're here today at either campus and you'd say, I want to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed, every eye closed at both campuses, if that's you, I just want you to stand where you are. Just stand. Nobody's looking around. I love it. I love it. So many people last night, come on. You feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, come away with me. Come away with me. Let me take you to places we've never gone together. Don't be afraid. I want to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Just stand right where you are. Unbelievable.
people are still standing. I know it, it kind of seems like a wrestling match. But why would it ever be bad to give over total control to such a good God? Anybody else? Don't listen to that negative voice. You're about to be a weirdo. No, you're not. You're about to be more like Jesus. Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained. Anybody else? I want to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? I'm so proud of you. God is even more proud of you. All right, if you're standing at both campuses, here's what I want you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is a very special and private moment. No one is to be embarrassed. No one is to be stared at. No one is looking around. But for those of you standing at both campuses, I just want you to put your hands out with your palms up towards heaven. This is what a child does when they come ready to receive a gift that daddy has for them. And if you're standing at either campus, I want you to pray this very simple and uncomplicated prayer. You ready? Pray this prayer. Jesus, will you please baptize me in the Holy Spirit? And I just want you to, to allow, just stand there in the presence of the Spirit of God and you just allow the Holy Spirit to cover you with his fruit, with love, liquid love. Just as though it were rolling all over from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. This isn't about a prayer language in this moment. This is about yielding all of your life to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And you just receive. Holy Spirit, I pray over every person standing at both campuses. What an intimately sweet moment. And some who are standing have wondered how this was going to go, if and when it ever happened. They thought it would be kooky, crazy, weird. They didn't know it was going to be like a sweet kiss on the forehead from the God of the universe. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just blanket them in a way only you can. Fill them up with yourself from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Fill them up with the fruit only you can produce. Begin planting seed in them right here, right now in this moment. 
begin wrapping up gifts that you'd like to give through them for the rest of their lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd begin speaking to them in a way they've never heard you before. And I pray as they walk by faith, that as they endeavor to allow you to pray through them, that it would be easy because you're the one doing the heavy lifting. Holy Spirit, fill each of them up more than ever before. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.